0: morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this day. Please know you're always very welcome at Trinity Lutheran Church. Well, we come to the midpoint in this brief pre-Lent season, Sexagesima Sunday, and that strange-sounding word, Sexagesima, comes from the Latin for 60th, because we are approximately 60 days from Easter. It is in this second Sunday of the pre-Lent season, that we have another of our three focuses, that being scripture alone for this particular Sunday. So with that in mind, I'll turn your attention to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin where we have our summary on the readings for today. The sower sows the seed of his word. This word is living and powerful to conceive new life in those who hear it. But the planting of Christ is attacked by the devil, the world, and the flesh, Satan snatches the word away from hard hearts. The riches and pleasures of this life choke off faith. Shallow and emotional belief withers in time of temptation and trouble. But see how Christ bears this attack for us. Christ's cross was planted in the hard and rocky soil of Golgotha. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head. Satan and his demons hellishly hounded and devoured him. Yet through his dying and rising again, he destroyed these enemies of ours. Jesus is himself the seed which fell to the ground and died in order that it might sprout forth to new life and produce much grain. In him, the weak are strong. He is the word of the Father which does not return void, but yields a harvest a hundredfold. Our service this day is the office of Matins, as it begins on page 219, and just a brief note about the service that as we are now in the pre-Lent season, I know we see green on the pyramids. But we will be using the Lent sections of the service. So wherever you see a response uh, that says Lent, we will be singing that as our response. And then please also note the seasonal antiphon on the worship insert in your bulletin. With that being said, we now sing the first hymn. The Old Testament reading for Sexagesima is from Isaiah chapter 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands." Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. O oh Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Hebrews chapter 4. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter. When a great crowd was gathering... And people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up it withered away, because it had no moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it, and some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Grace be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A humble little seed... When you think about it, a seed is a picture of defying expectations. The average seed, whether it be corn, soy, wheat, or barley, is not that impressive. It's small, easily crushed, and has every opportunity for failure. The life and purpose of a seed is perilous. And in what is a paradox, in order for it to grow, it must die. When you think of all that is asked of it, even expected of it, a seed is a marvel of God's creation. This humble little organic object is placed into the ground, and given the right time and conditions, up comes a little green shoot, which becomes a plant. When that plant reaches maturity, it has produced a considerable harvest. All of this is by God's design, and it is marvelous. In the well-known parable today, Jesus says a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Parables like this, they're well-loved by Christians. The picture language is easy to understand, and on the surface, the meaning is quite plain and approachable. And yet, this parable, along with the others Jesus speaks, are actually meant to conceal heavenly truths. Jesus told his disciples, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. But does it bother you that Jesus said this about the parables? Jesus said the purpose of his parables was so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So what's the deal? Well, Jesus tells us plainly that faith is required to understand the parables. This is why he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, he says, let the one who has faith in me understand my words. Unbelievers will hear this parable and think, well, hey, that's a nice little story. Who cares? Meanwhile, Jesus' sheep will hear and know the voice of their good shepherd and realize he is speaking about God's kingdom. As I have said before, unbelief is not an intellectual or cognitive issue. Unbelievers are not suffering from a lack of intelligence or mental capacity to believe. Unbelief is a spiritual issue. You cannot bring a person to faith by way of argumentation or persuasion. Faith in Christ is a gift given by the Holy Spirit through the hearing of the word. Faith is worked in a person's heart by the hearing of the gospel as St. Paul says in Romans 10:17, so faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. So then getting back to the parable today, just what does it mean? Well, we're in good company in asking that question because Jesus' disciples did as well. And so Jesus told them, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. Well-meaning Christians and well-meaning Christian pastors end up focusing entirely on the soil types, if you will, in this parable. They wonder, what type of soil am I? How can I become the good soil? Now, it's not wrong to be interested in such questions. However, the foundation of this parable is the seed, the word of God. Without the seed, there's no parable. So also without the word of God, there are no Christians. In his divine love and kindness, God the Father has given to us his Son, the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. Jesus is our source of forgiveness. Therefore, he is our source of eternal life and salvation. Apart from Christ, who is the eternal Word, we have nothing. So with this truth at the center, let us hear Jesus' teaching on this parable. Now, the sower seems reckless to us, even wasteful by standards then and by standards today. He scatters his seed everywhere, on the path, among the rocks, in the midst of weeds, and in the good soil as well. However, what seems reckless and absurd to human reason is actually this, the superabundant generosity of God. The gospel of Christ crucified and resurrected goes out to the whole world, to the four winds and four corners of the earth. This living and life-giving word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, is proclaimed everywhere. But for our consideration this morning, let's narrow our focus to God's church. Now why, do you ask? Because all those soil types in the parable may be found in each and every Christian congregation where the word is preached and taught in its purity. In fact, on any given day, an individual Christian can be like the different soils in the parable. Jesus said, The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. This is perhaps the most startling and even frightening verse to consider among a Christian congregation. And yet we see it. There are those in Christian congregations who hear the word of God week in and week out, and yet the word that is preached is not believed in the heart because it falls upon a stony, cold, unbelieving heart. As the saying goes, in one ear and out the other Perhaps most puzzling is that these folks have every outward appearance of being fine Christians. They attend the divine service. They work hard at their jobs. They love their families. They help in their community. So what gives? Well, it is a matter of faith. And remember, faith is a gift of the Spirit. Those who are Christian in in name only hear the word of Christ, but do not believe it. Instead of fearing, loving, and trusting in God above all things, the trust of their hearts clings to something or someone else entirely. It could be money, it could be pride, or their own reputation. It could be their family, a family member, perhaps their spouse. But when it comes down to it, the word has no place in their hearts, and they do not fear love and trust in God above all things. Instead, the devil snatches the word from their hearts, and they go on trusting in anything other than Christ crucified for their forgiveness and salvation. They find their sufficiency in something or someone else instead of Jesus alone. Think of the workers in the vineyard last week. The ones who grumbled against the vineyard owner, remember them? They believed the reward of heaven was based on their own work instead of on the gracious generosity of God towards sinners. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Continuing with the parable, Jesus said, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. Chances are you've known people like this as well. They hear the word of God and rejoice in the grace of Christ. They cling to Christ in faith, giving thanks to God for the forgiveness of their sins and the promises of resurrection and eternal life. However, in time, their faith is tested, sometimes severely. It could be any number of things, great sickness, financial loss, the death of a loved one, an unbelieving friend who is unrelenting in their criticism of the Christian faith, or possibly The painful thought of being eternally separated from a loved one who is not a Christian. All of these and more are examples of the suffering and testing we experience as God's baptized children in this fallen world. Now, Jesus promised there'd be suffering in this life. There's no surprise there. He told us about this. In John 16, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Nevertheless, not all who experience this testing persevere in the faith. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. Now hearing this distressing truth, it begins to draw a question out of our hearts and minds. How do I avoid God's word being taken from me by the devil? How do I get enough moisture? How does my root grow enough nourishment so that I don't wither and die in the scorching heat of suffering and trials which will come? Patience, dear saints, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now next, Jesus says, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. We all know Christians like this. Perhaps this is you right now. These Christians hear the gospel and they believe it. Praise be to God. They receive the seed of God's word and they grow until something else gets in the way. This something could be anything. In fact, the cares which choke faith and prevent the fruit of faith from maturing are usually the things we consider to be good. Even things the Lord has given to us as a gift, but then we treat those things as our God instead of the giver of that gift. Consider for a moment children. They are absolutely a gift from God. A heritage of the Lord, as we hear in Psalm 127. However, they should not be the reason you avoid the hearing of God's word and receiving of God's gifts. These gifts are for your children also. Jesus wants your children to know him and to receive his forgiveness. As you come forward to the rail here and you bring your children, they are blessed with the word of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And that same word of God is spoken at every single baptism. These gifts are for your children also. Jesus wants your children to know him and to receive his forgiveness. They need Christ and his mercy as much as you do. You see, children are one of the many reasons to come to church, often, all the time, not avoid it. And by the way, sports and academic pursuits are no excuse either. Then, of course, there are our toys, our hobbies, and our vocations, or vacations. Sorry. But, Pastor, isn't leisure time a gift from God? Yes, it is. Absolutely. However, as God's child, you are not authorized to break the third commandment in the name of leisure. Vacation does not mean taking a vacation from Christ's word and the receiving of his supper... Now, notice that what Jesus says of those who are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, he says, their fruit does not mature. Well, what is this fruit? Well, what is the fruit of faith? Love toward God and love toward your neighbor. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. The fruit of hearing and holding on to the word of God is faith. And then what does that faith do? Because it is a living and active thing that cannot be stopped. It moves you to love God and love your neighbor. Faith clings to Christ and his salvation alone. He alone is our sufficiency, our life, our salvation, our forgiveness. He is our everything. Faith compels you to love those around you. Those whom God has put into your life. So then we've come to the question. Just how does one avoid being like one of these undesirable soils? Dear saints, remember the foundation of the whole parable. The word. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You hear the word of God and you believe it. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, St. Paul says. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, Jesus says. And again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as we heard the Father speak at the transfiguration of our Lord, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Listen to him. How do you avoid the devil taking the word from you? Hear Jesus' word and guard it, keep it, treasure it above all things. Pay attention when Jesus is speaking and don't let the devil take it away. How do you get enough moisture so that faith grows deeply, so that you can withstand suffering and testing? It is entirely by leaning on the word of God alone and receiving it. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who delights in the law and instruction of the Lord. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Finally, how can you avoid the cares and riches of pleasures of life choking off the fruit of faith that your heavenly Father is working in you, even now, love the word of God more than money, more than food, more than clothing, toys, hobbies, and vacations. Delight in the eternal word of God, more than the delights of this passing world. Dear saints, it is all about the seed. It is all about the word. It's all about Jesus, the word made flesh. And apart from him, we have nothing. As for that in the good soil, Jesus said, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So, how does one become good soil? Again, it is a good, valid question. And the answer is this you don't do it at all. You cannot. You must be made into good soil. And what is a paradox? It is the seed itself, the word of God, which makes you good soil, gives you an honest and good heart, and makes you a fruitful planting of the Lord. It is all the Lord's work, the Lord's doing, by the power of his word and his Holy Spirit. Those who hear the word and by the Spirit's work hold it fast, have their sinful, stony hearts cast out. And instead, the Lord gives you a good heart that beats in love for Christ and for the neighbor. Now, the Lord describes this work that he does in us through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be made clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. Notice who's doing the working. The Lord says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit, capital S, within you And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my just decrees. That is Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, by the way. Beloved in the Lord, it was at your baptism that God the Father laid hold of you, sprinkled clean water on you, and cleansed you from all your idols, making him alone your one true God as he joined you to Christ Jesus There in baptismal waters, you were born from above of water and the word. And there in that washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, your unbelieving heart of stone was removed and cast out, and you were made the planting of the Lord. All that Jesus accomplished for you on the cross was given to you in holy baptism, and Christ Jesus continues to pour out the riches of his grace upon you in his holy word and at his holy supper. And so you see... It's all about the seed, which is the word, whose name is Jesus. It was Christ's cross that was planted in the hard and rocky soil of Golgotha. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head as he reigned in glory for us, dying and bleeding for our salvation. Satan and his demons hellishly hounded and devoured him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet... He said it is finished, accomplished, fulfilled, and all of this for you. Because through his dying and rising again, he destroyed these enemies of ours. Jesus himself is the seed which fell to the ground and died in order that it might sprout forth to bring new life and produce much grain. Christ Jesus is the word of the Father, which does not return void, but yields a harvest a hundredfold. And you, dear saints are his beloved harvest. In the name of Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. O oh God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully grant that by our power we may def- be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the faithful gathered here, that our Almighty Maker would give us hearts to receive his gifts with thanksgiving that he would free us from the cares of this world and fix our eyes on the saving work of Jesus Christ, and that he would root us deeply in his word, so we would look to him for all our needs of body and soul, remaining faithful unto death. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the proclamation of the gospel, that wherever the seed of God's word is sown, he would bring forth a bountiful harvest for his kingdom. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church. That all the baptized would continue to hear the word of God, hold it fast in good and honest hearts, and bear fruit with patience. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, that God would grant wisdom to our elected officials in their pursuit of policies for the common good. That he would protect those who serve in our armed forces. And that he would thwart all forces of injustice and tyranny here and in every place. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those affected by severe weather and natural disasters, especially those in Turkey who have suffered through a catastrophic earthquake, that through his church the risen Christ would bring peace, consolation, and aid in the midst of chaos and death, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those in any need, especially Emma Kranz, Richard Phillips, Shirley Dover, John Mottman, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all Christians who participate in the sacrament of the altar on this day, that God would strengthen and preserve them faithfully to receive Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness of sins and so obtain everlasting life, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have sown your holy word among us. Prepare our hearts by your Holy Spirit that we may diligently and reverently hear your word, keep it in good hearts, and bring forth fruit with patience, and that we may not incline to sin, but subdue it by your power, and in all persecutions, comfort ourselves with your grace and continual help. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the same Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Good morning, and God's blessings to you on this day where uh, our Lord Jesus has sown his good word among us that we we might rejoice in his salvation. A handful of announcements going into the morning. Uh, First, I don't want to forget this, that uh, financial reports from the voters' meeting are available on the glass case there, so please see those uh, if you have any interest. Uh, Looking forward into the calendar for this week, of course, today we've got Sunday School and Bible Study immediately following worship. We're going to continue with Micah chapter 5 in the adult Bible study. Uh, This coming Tuesday is the Circuit Pastors Meeting in Salisbury, that'll be at 9.30. Uh, President Hagen visiting us this time. Uh, And then Wednesday, uh, we have Lutheran Confession Study Group at 9 o'clock in the morning, followed by our afternoon schedule with confirmation classes, or or midweek school and catechism classes, rather, uh, and workout class and choir practice. And then on Thursday, handbell practice, uh, that has resumed again, that's at 6 p.m. I want to point out this simple catechism reading plan that's on the back of the bulletin. You probably saw it last week. It's on there. This week, it'll be on there. Next week, as we prepare to enter Lent, and and this whole season of pre-Lent is to get us ready to go into that season, uh, consider, if you would, taking something on rather than giving something up. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, Take up a book of the Bible that you've not read in a while and read it over the course of Lent. Divide it up uh, across the different weeks of Lent and you'll notice that you really don't have that much to read in any given week. Also along with that, uh, when's the last time you read through the small catechism in its entirety? Now I'm not talking about the large explanation section in the back of your catechism. I'm talking about just the catechism itself. So what this does is it sets forth for you... uh, a goal, if you will, to read a section of the Catechism every day of the week. If you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. Just keep going. And I think you'll find by the end of Lent that you'll be greatly blessed by revisiting these basic truths of God's Word. And as you see those cross references as to where these things are found in the Word of God, look them up. Read those things and make that part of your daily devotions throughout the season of Lent. Also, another reminder that there is still opportunity to register for the Higher Things Conference for those confirmed youth in our congregation who would like to attend. Uh, And then also the announcement continues about the Trinity Lutheran Women's Group. They're going to be serving our Lenten meals again. uh, The assignments are laid out there. If you have any questions, uh, please contact any one of the ladies uh, that's in charge of those respective meals. Again, the dates are listed there in the bulletin. Anything that I may have missed... All right, seeing nothing, again, God's blessings to you. Um, We go forth in love of Christ and love for the neighbor. I'll greet you at the door.